Welcome back to the SC Halfback Podcast. I am your host, Matt Namoski. With me as always, the number six that I've always needed. Let's call him the Josh Reynolds to my trend Hodkinson. It's Johnny. How are you, mate? I'm doing well, mate. The uh, Knights are in the finals, so uh, looking forward to uh, Sunday Arvo at uh, watching the Knights kick back of their first home game in since bloody 2006. So it should be a good one. Look, you know, we're recording this just before 11 o'clock on Sunday, so we'll be meeting each other at the pub in a couple of hours to watch that game. So I'm hoping that Newcastle lay the smack down for you. Uh, obviously, I was at the pub when Dave uh, was watching the Warriors yesterday, not so fun. So I'm hoping Newcastle will get up today. Mate, slightly nervous, but um, I think it will either be Newcastle by 50 or Canberra by two. It'll be one <laughs> of those names. Well, look, let's get on to the podcast, though, because we mentioned this in the last potty, but I want to do this now. I want to do our official superstar club. And this is an idea from the around the NFL podcast. And essentially before every season, as the season wraps up, what they do is they look ahead to the next season. Who are the guys that are consensus superstar tag where, you know, the performance isn't questioned. They're going to be around the top of their, of their positional group and they're just primed for another big season. So the, what, how are we going to do it for the NRL? I'll pick 17 guys. So 17 players are in the club. Uh, got to be at least one from each position. And we've obviously got a queue at the door. And those are guys that maybe have been in there before, some new guys that are waiting to get in. So a bit, bit of debate here, but I think it's a nice quick podcast we can go here just to see who are the 17 guys that have the most name value heading into next season. So let's jump straight into it, Nom. Let's go hooker. I think this is obviously, it's proving to be the toughest position to fill every season as we kind of move on here. The 80-minute the hooker, is becoming more and more extinct. Uh, I think, you know, the hooker number three to hooker number 10, there's not that much of a difference. So straight in, we've got two guys waiting at the door. So I think Damian Cook, who used to be in the club, I think is now at the door. And I think Jerry Marshall King, if he can stay healthy, has a chance to get in. What do you think about those two guys who are waiting at the door? Yeah, look, hooker is one of those positions where we all know who number one is, and then it's daylight. But um, yeah, look, Jerry Marshall King and Damon Cook, they are probably the next in line. That said, uh, we've been sort of waiting for, you know, one of the Braley brothers to sort of, um, you know, I've drafted them pretty early this season, uh, um, round three, I think. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately with uh, Jaden with injuries and Blake Braley, he's been good as well, but just, I guess the shark, shark season, I feel like, that you know, we're just waiting for him to really explode. Yeah, look, it's one, like I said, it's one of those visions where even with the 80-minute hookers like a Blake Braley, you know, you're better off just, obviously, the guy in the club is Harry Grant. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. He is the hooker I think everyone will start with next season. I think he'll still be drafted first, second round. But yeah, hookers turning in one's positions. Once you don't get Grant, do you just wait until round 10 and grab a Wade Egan, something like that. So hooker, I think, is very simple. Let's go to front row forward. I've got two guys at the door, two guys in the club. So the two guys at the door is Adolf Fanua Blake and Joseph Tarpane. I think both guys that very well, very well could get into the club uh, with another big season. Tarpane had a little bit of a regression this year. I thought, you know, he got drafted very high, very highly owned in classic, just never really had that, you know, couple of weeks stretch where he laid the smack down and really put, you know, back-to-back 80-90s on the board, uh, AFB did a huge season. So AFB is obviously one that I think, if it wasn't for these other two guys, I think he would be in. What do you think about those two guys? 
Yeah, AFB had a massive season this year. Um, but I guess the other two guys you're thinking about, it's probably the uh, the Queenslanders, or the one playing for Broncos, Peyton Painhaas and uh, Tino Fasulamalawi. They're the two boys. I think, yeah, you can't go past those two guys. I think, again, heading into next season, they're the two front row forwards that will be off the board first. Uh, Tino should keep that duel, which will make him even more juicy. But Painhaas is consistent. I got him in round five of our draft this year. Probably the steal of the draft for the value that I got from him. And then Tino tried all season to get that trade done in classic, just fell short a couple of times of getting that money to get to upgrade him. But yeah, those two guys just lock in a 60 and with upside, it's a 90 to 100. So I think those two guys, for the foreseeable future, right? Those two guys have really good games for Super Coach. And yeah, I think for me, just really epitomize what a superstar is in Super Coach. Let's move on to second row forward because this is the one I struggled with. I've only got one player in the club right now, which might sound surprising because it's such a position in the past where there's been really good value. So I'm just going to run through the guys at the door. So I've got Britton Nikara, Jaman Hopgood, Mole Olakowatu, and Tohu Harris. They're the guys I've got at the door, but I've only got Dave Fafita in the club. What are your thoughts there as soon as you hear only one superstar uh, to RF? Yeah, look, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, you know, one back 12 months ago, we would have said, you know, Gussie, Angus Kleinan would have been up there. Uh, and maybe Cam Murray, but uh, yeah, Cam Murray's slipped a bit this year. He's sort of just been doing a lot more passing uh, for the Rabbits this year. So um, yeah, I, I think when you think of, you know, second um, two RFs, you're thinking of those with solid base and great upside. And uh, I mean, David Fida, you know, ever since Kieran Farron has uh, moved to the Titans, he's, um, he's got really involved. So he's got his base right up there. And uh, yeah, it's been an attacking weapon out there on the left. Yeah, I think those guys that I mentioned, you know, obviously let's go through them quickly. I think Nikara and Olakwatu are very similar. They play on that on their uh, dominant halves edge at a club level. Can you know really turn up really well, but also the base might be around a thirty-five to a forty potentially. Uh, Hopgood is one of those guys. I just think in that Parramatta forward pack, just minutes is the question in the role. Um, you know, he came off the bench a couple of times. He was getting fifty-minute games. He played on an edge at one point. So, if he was just a locked-in thirteen for eighty minutes, I think there's no question there. Uh, and then the two guys that you mentioned in terms of Care Murray. Uh, like you said, the more ball playing, just the speed through the ruck, you know, it was there in pieces. There were some nice games, but I think what hurt a lot of coaches this year, including myself at the start of the season, I had to pick between either Murray or Fafita to go to my 2RF. I picked Murray and Fafita was obviously the guy. So I think it's now two out of three seasons where Fafita's really just proven that he can be a top 10 overall player in super coach. So you just can't go past that pedigree. But let's move to halfback because this is the one has got... The, uh, a lot of players in it. So I've got three players in the club and I've got two players on the edge. So the two guys at the door, Jerome Hughes and Daly Cherry Evans. But in the club, I've got Nico Hines, I've got Nathan Cleary and the return of Sean Johnson. I know it's only one season, but what he's done and what he projects to do next season with an improved Warriors team, I think you have to give him the nod. What's your thoughts there? Oh, Sean Johnson, that's a, that's a uh, debatable one, I think. I mean, you know... Uh, he's obviously aging, but geez, he's come out and really sort of uh, stamped his foot on that, you know, potentially that Dalian winning um, performance this season. But Sean Johnson, so are you saying SJ will go first round next year? I've got him in the second round right now. 
Um, I've got so we're looking at my big board as we speak right now. I have got him as player number just having a look at this 24 overall. So that's the but the bottom of the second round. But again, this superstar club, what this what that tag does when someone has the, the superstar uh tag in super coach, as you know in our draft comp, it boosts them a round or two. You know, the player who should be number 24 overall and there's better value in other positions will go number eight because the guy after those first couple of halves and fullbacks are gone. I want to get a, I want to get a piece of my spine. I don't want to fill it up with the front row forward like Tino, who might be a better overall super coach player. Give me that half. So I think right now there will be Sean Johnson. Put it this way: I think his average draft position this year was about 170, 180 from memory. Expect that to be sub twenty five this year. I think there's a real chance that he goes very very early in drafts. Um, and yeah, I just think that, like I said, the difference for SJ heading into next season is you've got RTS coming. That's already the one signing you know is going to happen. So you know there's going to be improvement in the outside backs, potentially on his edge as well. Uh, another season, Andrew Webster might get a couple of fringe signings. So the arrow is pointing up for SJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for halfback, it's probably, I think it's, you know, Nathan Cleary and then uh, Nico Hines. And then a bit of a gap. And then next would be sort of that SJ Hughes DCE range. Yeah, 100%. And I did leave Mitch Moses off that list. Parramatta for mm. me is just in a bit of a holding phase. Um, we'll move on to 5A because that's a good segue. Dylan Brown and Cam Munster, the only two I've got in the club. I struggled with Cam Munster. I am not high on him next season. I need to see this Melbourne, what happens in this offseason for Melbourne because there were just too many games this year where you drafted Cam Munster first, second round this year and you couldn't captain him. You couldn't vice-captain him because the floor was just so low. So he's, he's one of those guys, and we'll mention one more, uh, in the last position group, but he's on a real tilt for me where I've got to see a couple of 80-point games in a row, you know, at the start of the season to really warrant uh, anything. But the guys at the door, only one. It's Cody Walker, who, again, rabbits with the way they finished. 5-8, we mentioned in a couple of podcasts ago, it's a really interesting group where we were talking about how diabolical Hooker is. 5-8's not much better. Yeah, 5-8, it is a tricky one. Um I guess with Cam Munster, you sort of know that he's going to be 70 average, but yeah, he's sort of missing that you know really high upside you'd want from a, uh, a round one pick, isn't it? So it, it does put you in a sort of tricky uh, situation to compound that. I mean, with Cam Munster, he doesn't actually seem to perform very well against, you know, he's he's not a fat track bully. He's sort of the ones who, who who rises in those big games. So um, yeah, it's very hard to pin down when you actually want to uh, put the C, straight C on him. Yeah, and, you know, as we've said, like, you know, those first two rounds of your draft comp are critical. You've got to get those right. And I think Cam Munster next year is going to be a big test in terms of if he doesn't come out in those first three or four weeks and really light it up, and, you know, he's averaging around that 55 to 60 mark, you know, What's the, what's the trade value for a Cam Munster where it's now a couple of seasons in, he just hasn't really fired a shot. Jerome Hughes is looking like the halfback you actually want to have the, the, from that team. He looks like the more duck board. And I was saying this to Dave yesterday, right? With Melbourne, for years and years, it was all left edge. You had Munster, Ken Brom, Olam, and Adokar on that edge. And that was the strike attack. Now what you've had, you've had that flip now where you've got Hughes, Eli Katoa, plug in a centre, let's say it's Marion Seve, and then you got Warbrick on that edge. That is that is the more dominant edge now. So it's going to be interesting. One, if Pappenhausen can come back and which side of the field he likes from fullback. And then obviously, what does Harry Grant do? Because he is very much through the middle. Hughes is much better support player than Cam Munster. So 
like I said, Firebase one of those positions, and Cam Munster, I think, is going to be a big swing player in this draft. You know, he went pick number four in our draft league this year. To me, I can't see a world where he goes top eight next year. I think there's a lot more quality players. And if you have a look at my draft board right now, it's early. I've got him as the 22nd player overall. So for us, that'll be a huge... I don't think he's ever dropped out of the top six in our draft comp. Uh, Cam Munster, that'll be a huge drop. I know that won't happen again because we've got this superstar tag on him. But yeah, it's going to be a very interesting, uh, ballsy pick if you pick Cam Munster first round heading into next season. 100%, yeah. We move on to CTW. I have got three guys that are in the club. I've got Brian To'o, Valentine Holmes, and Joey Manu. At the door, a couple of interesting guys. Obviously, got Jermaine Asako, got Alex Johnston, got Ruben Garrick, and got Greg Marzu. So three in, four at the door. What's your thoughts when you hear those seven names? Um, yeah, Joey Manu. I don't know if he's in the club. Oh, uh, okay. It's been a long, you know, for a long time, Joey Manu... We said, you know, he wasn't super coach relevant. And then, you know, he had that massive season last year. And this season, I mean, yeah, I think it, you know, if he plugs in that fullback, you know, 100% captain him every week. But, uh, yeah, Joey Manu, I guess it really depends on how well you think the Roosters are going to go next year. Because, uh, yeah, Joey Manu, I think, what is he averaging this past year? Like 60s? Well, look, as I bring it up on the app, he's one of those guys that, like you said, when he's at centre, that's not his best value. His best value is actually when he is playing in a different role, fullback or 5'8". Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that can score in bunches. And I think in Supercoach, they do not come around often. There's not a guy that can be sitting on 20 and then all of a sudden just put out a massive burst. So he averaged 63 this year. That's obviously with his injury-affected score against the Tigers in the last round, round 16. And he also had a uh, a very low point game against Brisbane, uh, but he didn't play the full game. So take those two scores out, you probably had a 66. But I do get your point. He's one of those guys that will be very interesting next year in a draft comp because I assume he will have dual flexibility. I'm not sure whether it's going to be center 5-8 again or center fullback, uh, or they just give him the center. Uh, if he owes a, a no dual, obviously he will drop off, potentially drop off this list. But right now, I think, with the way the Roosters attack, I think he is someone that needs to be heavily focused. Uh, they are going to improve next year. So, yeah, you're right. He he could be a swing guy for a guy like a Sarko who, you know, I put SJ in the club, I didn't put a Sarko, and he had just as good of a season. AJ's always there scoring tries for the Bunnies. Garrick, I think an improved Manly team next year will be dominant. And then you obviously got Greg Marzu with Kalen Ponga as fit. Marzu will be the beneficiary. Yeah, big Greg Marsu. I mean, what a season he's had on the uh, yeah on the wing for the Knights. I mean, I think yeah, we're definitely uh, getting paying him under. So uh, I think he's yeah just had a massive season, and that's trans- clearly translated to super coach score. So um, yeah, I mean, as a Knights fan, I think I would be going early on him next year as well. Ooh, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I think he was, oh, I want to say he was maybe around four or five this year. Not going to surprise me if he goes into that Ronaldo range of like a round three, round two this year. So we'll be interesting, but we'll finish off with fullbacks. This is obviously Supercoach has turned into, besides Cleary and Hines, park them. It is a fullback game. You want to have two gun fullbacks in classic. You want to draft one very early in draft. I have got five fullbacks. No, I've got two at the door. So let's start with the two at the door because they're the interesting ones. I've got Clint Gutherson at the door. 
after a great season with Parramatta, I still think that he is not in that club yet. Still not in the club. Still not in the club. I think there's a couple better options. And I've got James Tedesco for the first time in six years, not in the club. So that just shows you how good that this crop of fullbacks coming through is. Let me me rattle off the five. So you don't have Clint Gunson or Tedesco. I am very curious to hear what's in these five. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll run down my list in order of the big board so you can see who is the guy on the fringe there. So I've got Ponga at number one. I've got Latrell. Top five pick next season. I've got him Ponga. at number three overall. Alright. Turbo number two. I've got Latrell number three. I've got Reese Walsh number four and Scott Drinkwater number five. Oh, jeez. Let me, let me let me give you my rationale. I'll, I'll I'll do the Teddy argument first. Teddy right now has a similar floor to drink water and to Walsh. I think you know we've seen Teddy this year go a couple of thirty games this year. I think a Walsh and a and a drink water would be around that for a floor, but the ceiling is so much higher. We've seen in two games this year Teddy had to score multiple tries to get to one hundred and twenty. We've seen drink water and Walsh obliterate that with a couple of tries and line breaks and things like that. They've got to score, they've got to get a lot of attacking stats for their points, but their upside is just way more higher. You're, if you're picking number five in a draft comp next year and you've got your two halfbacks are gone, potentially Pong is gone and you'll want a big upside play, I think Drinkwater and Walsh are both a better play than Gutho or Teddy at this stage. I think there's a lot of food for thought for fullback now that we're actually talking about it. I mean, we're in a 12-man comp. I'm just trying to think. Realistically, though, I don't think Teddy will fall out the first round. I've got him at number 13 right now. So he's right on that. If you're on the snake draft of a 12-man, I've got him right on that on that thing. And again, the superstar label. Some people will still definitely have him as a superstar and they will not let him go past round oh, pick eight nine you know what i mean everyone just feels safe when you when you draft james tedesco you feel safe about it there's something that tells you he's been a gun for six years he's always averaged in the top five he finishes i think the 49th overall player this year you know what i mean that there's there's now evidence where it's hard for him to score his points now and i think with the roosters you've got Suli, you've got manu you've got guys that can come around the park and take points off him for the first time in a while you did mention draft. I'll quickly run run you through. I believe up until so Ponga, Trevojevic, Mitchell, Walsh, Drinkwater, Tedesco, Gutherson, I think are all a chance for first round. All those fullbacks. Then you've got guys like whatever happens with Pappenhausen. I think you've got RTS if he gets a duel. I think Garrick. I think Brimson. If Cooler gets the fullback spot. For Manly, these guys that could go second, third round. So all of a sudden now, you've potentially got twelve fullbacks off the board in a twelve-man league. It's very, very deep this year. I think if you don't get one of those first guys, it's always been a detriment. I think last year proved in our comp. I waited until round thirteen or fourteen and had to get Dane Laurie as my fullback. I think next year you're not going to have that problem. I think next year there's too many. Like I've got fullback sixteen overall. Dream Buller. I'll be happy to draft Dream Buller next year, very late, and play him every week. You know, I've got guys with jewels 
you know, you know, a Nick Meany, a Stephen Cryden, uh, Jaden Campbell. These guys are it's such a deep position. And my point is, you, they all can't be superstars. You got to have the guys that have an okay floor, and I think for a fullback, it's around a thirty, but a ceiling of a one fifty to one seventy, which a Drinkwater, a Walsh, a Turbo, a Ponga, these guys all have. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of depth in fullback. I mean, you know, I think uh, over the past few seasons, a lot of people have uh, gotten the trap of, you know, thinking, oh, I need to pick up a fullback in the first round or two. Mm. But, uh, yeah, as you read all the names up, I think there's still quite good value, uh, even if you wait till, you know, round three or four. I'm pretty sure I've picked up Gutho around four in our draft league. So, um, yeah, 100%. I agree with you there. I just think that with the way that we weigh positional value in Supercoach, I think Hooker and 5'8 are so top-heavy where if you don't get one of those guys, that's fine. I'll wait till the end of the draft. I think halfback is one of those... Halfback and fullback is like, I want to go early. And I think in CTW, especially this year, there are... I've got really... 16 guys that I'll be happy to have my as my center wing one. So there's a lot of positional value in having, you know, your fullback and your CTW tied up, but then you've got your five, eight and your hooker has, that hasn't got much. And then you obviously got front row forward where if you don't get one of those four guys, we discussed what's the point of waiting until round, you know, 14, 15, 16, to fill this position. So that's why the superstar club to me is intriguing because like you said, as soon as I mentioned, no Teddy and no Gutho, you were instantly like who who's in there. And they all can't be superstars, you know what I mean? They all can't have, in a draft comp, there's going to be guys that slip into the second round. Now, should a Teddy slip into the second round after one bad season? Take your pick if you think the Roos is going to bounce back next year with a full season. Do you think Gutho, who had inflated stats because Moses was out for a bit and Dylan Brown was out for a bit and played a three or buy rounds? There's all factors into these things, so... I just feel like there's going to be some guys next year that I'm purposely going to stay away from or draft a little bit lower and be happy if someone else takes the bait and says, that's a name value, I want to take him. Here's a tricky one for you. We've, you know, just come out of the weekend, saw Papathousand, broken ankle. Yep. Not as bad as first thought. It's not, you know, I think everyone sort of had Jarrell, Yao Yi sort of uh, thoughts career ending. Looked like he was a lot of pain. We're hearing information now from uh, NRL physio, you know, three-month recovery. So he should have, should be back by the end, end of the year, should have a most, mostly sort of, um, have most of his preseason. Where does he go? I'll tell you what. Before this latest injury, as he was coming back and I thought he had a full preseason under his belt and get that one, I had him as the third fullback overall before the injury. You ask me now, I think he probably slides under Gutho. I think probably Teddy and Gutho will now jump him. I still think he's in that range of, if you look at, like I'm looking at my board now, you know, RTS, Yarrick, Brimson, Edwards, Cookstar, Buller, he'd be in that range. They're probably at the top of that pot, top of that pile. Now, does that mean that's a third round pick? Does that mean that's a second round pick? Now I'm not sure. Because like we said, those rounds two and three, you've got to, you've, in a draft comp, you've got to have two captain options all season. I had it this year with uh, Fafida and Hines, just able to have a C and VC either way. 
I think it's too hard in a draft club with the scores that are pumping out in Supercoach this uh, season and previous seasons to go in there with one. You've got to have at least another one. And I think Pappenhausen is one of those guys. Look, when you think about the injuries, right, a cracked kneecap, which could have happened to anyone, that's not like he was just injury prone. And if anyone went into that force of the kneecap, it probably would have cracked. And this one here, if anyone was making a tackle and then big Nelson comes over the top and squashes your leg, it's probably going to snap. So it's not like they're, you know, Turbo's hammies. It's not like they're Teddy's concussions. You know, these are free things. So I don't think you can hold the injury thing against him. But I would have just loved to have known, and I think it's going to be hard in this offseason, that he's going to be the undisputed number one. Is there different plans for him now? Yeah. Does Bellyache now go, I can't have him at 13? You know what I mean? I've just proven I can't have him in the line in a, in, a, in defense. A lot of questions, and I think he will be a big swing player this year because you don't have guys that go, you know what, I'm at pick 10. Nothing's really excited me around this around this position. Give me Pappenhaus and let me, let me try it. Then you're going to have other draft leagues that are going to go, fuck, it's round five. Pappenhaus is still on the board. If I just take a swing here. So I think for me, it's going to be one of those, one of those uh, interesting draft picks where I think in classic, we're all going to stay away. I think, you know, we'll wait those first couple of rounds and if he starts to kill it, we'll all bring him in and he'll be highly owned by round five, six. By draft, we don't get that, we don't get that, um, that mulligan. You've got to go with your gut. So right now, if I had to say something, I would say he's got a round three grade and I'd say he's about fullback number eight. That's where we're probably sitting right now, um, post-injury with he's going to be back training by January and we get some confirmation from Belichick to say he's going to be the starting fullback. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a story to watch, I guess. You know, if Pappy is a, a starting fullback, we all know what his pedigree is. Um, but if not, then, yeah, look, I, I, I think both of us are huge Pappy fans. I think a lot of the NRL world is big Pappy fans. So, um Hopefully he'll get back to, you know, the scintillating form that he had in, you know, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I think what would, we'll wrap this up soon, but I think another podcast I want to do because you've just kind of unlocked something for me. I think the Roosters was a team last year where we all kind of had get a lot of Supercoach players in. And maybe next year might be a discussion about Melbourne. Because when you think about the players we've named so far, I've named a lot of Melbourne players in this little list here. You know, you've got Grant. Is he still the undisputed full uh, hooker? Is Jerome Hughes going to take a leap? Is Eli Katoa going to take a leap in the 2RF? You know, you've got guys like Meany. Where does he place in the CTW rankings now? Pappenhausen, a fullback. Munster, is he still a credible first-round option? So I think Melbourne is one of those teams now that we've always just said, yep, Melbourne, lock them in. They've got a good run coming up. Just they'll pump out scores. But maybe it's not all of them. Maybe you can't have 100-point scorers across the board every week. So... That might be one to dig into. But Nom, you've said it all, mate. The Superstar Club for 2024. We'll be back with another potty soon, mate. So thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with another podcast soon. So thanks for listening. Have a great day, and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.